Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Politics Done Right. I am your host, Egberto Williams. This is the progressive program that will take the mystery out of politics. This is the program that will encourage you to make sure government becomes we the people. Whether you are liberal, conservative, or otherwise, you get to air your point of view. Remember, you can also send me a tweet to E-G-B-E-R-T-O-W-I-L-L-I-E-S. That is, at Egberto Williams. Let us engage. It is politics done right. One, two, three, four. Well, folks, welcome to one more edition of Politics Done Right. I'm Egberto Willis, your host. Thank you so kindly for spending this one hour with me. We are going to have a great show. We are going to be talking about what everybody else is talking about, but we're going to go a little bit deeper because, you know what, we cannot allow what's occurring. Howdy, Casey Howell, nice to be with you, and Simmons as well. Uh, we cannot allow what is occurring to take our eyes again off the ball. What is occurring is very important. What's occurring in, in, in uh, Massachusetts right now, where there is this humongous, I mean this, large rally to counter the white supremacists. It is a beautiful thing to watch. It's beautiful to see that America, and by the way, that is the real America that is coming out, to let these white supremacists, these white nationalists, these KKK folks know that they are a minority in this country. Hi, Connie Sierras. Hi, Cynthia Reed. Uh, remember, by no means are most people like these, uh, these crazies that, that uh, Donald Trump has aligned himself with. We know that this president is a uh, white supremacist. We knew that from before he was elected because it's something that he learned from his dad. It is something that we have to acknowledge we have to remember, and we have to, and again, that is who was elected. That was who was elected president of the United States. We'll have to live with that for, some people say four years. I very much, I'm not sure. Hello, James McKay Sr. from Florida, Sherry Price, uh, welcome aboard. I am not really sure that the president, Rufus Taylor, welcome aboard. Uh, I am not really sure that the president can last four years. But you know what? It really doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter what is occurring uh, with the president in, in the immediacy. What matters is what's going on under, underneath all, all, all the crap that we know is going on. But anyhow, folks, this is the week where many Trump supporters are realizing the evils Trump represents. But let's not take our eyes off of the ball. While it is clear that by his actions, Trump must be considered a white nationalist, it is only, it is only a tool. Don't forget this. Yes, the guy's a white nationalist. Yes, the guy's all these things. But it's only a tool to achieve his destructive agenda. Nothing less, nothing more. So as we cover all the alt-right stories, you know, that's the sexy name of saying the white supremacist story, the white nationalist story, the KKK story, the racist story. As we cover those stories, 
let's keep our eyes on the ball. And before I get any further, I, I, I always like to tell people a few things that, are, that I think is very important. Race is a social construct. I want folks to remember that and understand what it means. There's no such thing as race. I have black pigmentation or dark brown pigmentation is really the color, but you know, we categorically black. You may be white, but of course you're not really white. You have multiple levels of lesser melanin. So, you know, we have all kinds of different colors, but that is the least of the things that make who we are. It is sort of one of the most ridiculous things in history that we make race such a large issue. I mean, I did for some time because I'm here in the United States. I came from Central America, where also colorization is a problem. But it is something that we need personally, each of us, to work on and realize one important factor, and that is race means absolutely nothing. And what do I mean by race means absolutely nothing? The fact that you can have a brother, and I like to use this analogy all of the times, and I'm, I'm, I'm giving my little race talk before I get into some more of the subject of the, of, of the show. But if you take a look at a brother you may have, whether you're black, you're white, or whatever, the fact that biologically speaking, that brother of yours couldn't donate a kidney to you, but some stranger from India or from China could tells you how insidious our concern about race is. It is something that we need not talk about. It is something that the powers, however, need. The powers need to ensure that you can look at somebody and subdivide them, not only by race, but they have to subdivide them by gender. They have to subdivide them by all these different permutations. And the reason why is the only way you can have a minority of people controlling us all if we don't look at those people that are controlling us, we look at the differences that we claim that we have among each other and then fight among each other and having them be the ones, the saviors, or the ones that are running stuff, come back and rule us. It is insidious. If we can somehow at some time in history learn that individually, if we could get that white nationalists aside, individually. If we could get that KKK person aside, individually. If we can get your mother, your brother, your sister, my brother, my sister, anybody that holds those racial views, which the truth of the matter, folks, is let's be honest. Most people still see race as some real factor in life. Even those people that are trying to do good. And that's because we've been conditioned that way until we are able to break that conditioning, until we are able to really realize within our own selves proper that race really doesn't matter. I mean, I, I'm telling you, uh, let me give a little off story on, 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 on gays. Uh, being a person from Central America, uh, I came over to this country as a very homophobic person very homophobic person. That meant I was completely and entirely stupid. I was completely and entirely ignorant. On a, tr on a trip, on a business trip to China, a friend of mine, one of my business partner, just made one simple comment. 
he looks at me and he said, you're black, aren't you? And I'm like, yeah, so. Then he said, um, you can't change that, can you? Right? But if you could, would you? Not particularly, but I mean, being other than being in, in, in America and around the world, being a white person is a lot easier because they're, I mean, I don't want to go into privilege and all of that because sometimes that shuts people off right away when it's not explained appropriately. And I don't want to go into that explanation right now. But the idea being that uh, he, he made that mention, then he said, look, a person who is, comes out as gay, they don't really have to tell anybody that. They don't even have to show that. If there wasn't something that made them how they are, would, would it be? I mean, here's the thing. As an engineer myself, that was a good pseudoscientific answer for me, right? And immediately, intellectually, I snapped. Oh, my God, how could I have been so ignorant? But you know what? My ignorance went a little bit deeper. Suppose it was that gayness wasn't genetic or how you were born that way. Who am I to decide whether that's what you want to do or not? Who gives me the authority to tell you how to live your life? So whether it is genetic, whether it is you're born that way or academic, it doesn't matter. It shouldn't matter to me. It's none of my damn business. It is important for us to see things of that nature. So anyway, I learned to overcome my ignorance intellectually, but it was still there within that animal part of the brain where I still, it, it still sort of repulsed me if I saw two guys kissing or that sort of a stuff. How did I know when I really became, when I really became the right kind of person, when I really became the progressive I always preached about, when suddenly over time, when suddenly over time, none of that bothered me. It should have never bothered me. I'm not trying to get a pat on my back, folks. I really am not. That I was ignorant and I'm no longer ignorant does not deserve a pat. What it deserves is that you did what you were supposed to do. And that's how I look at it. When I talk to my gay brothers and sisters and I relate this story, I always tell them, I am not trying to do this to get a pat on my back. None of us should be doing this to get a pat on your back. When you become a non-racist, it's not to get a pat on your back. It is how you should be in the first place. Because all these other things are ignorant. It makes us ignorant. And that is what is promoted by our oligarchy. That is what's promoted by our plutocracy. That is what's promoted by all our folks to maintain us ignorant, maintain us in a state where we believe because of how we look or all these other factors that somehow it makes one person better than the other because of these particular physicalities that have no bearing on intellect or anything of that matter. So the reason I, I, I kind of went off on this tangent is given that we're in this racial period, I kind of wanted to give an enlightenment as to why it is. And, and by the way, it, it is also wanting to tell folks your condition, we were all conditioned a certain way, whether you're black, you're white, or otherwise. 
you are all conditioned a certain way. Unlike many of my uh, fellow progressive in the progressive intelligentsia, I give people a lot more latitude than they are willing to that, than they usually give people. And the reason why is I understand our humanity, and I think it, I, I think uh, our progressivity should never deny general human behavior or general humanity and and how our minds function. When I told you about intellectually uh, intellectually understanding that I was ignorant about my feelings towards gays, and later on, my psyche finally developed in such a manner that it actually has no effect anymore. In other words, uh, we have to give that latitude to people all over whether you're white having recessive racism, whether you're black having or, or, or Latino or whatever, what, you know, I mean, you know, there, there, there's the other concept about, well, you know, black folks can't be racist and because race has a stuff to do with power. Then I said, we need to change the concept of the word, the word soup that we're using. Right. So let's use prejudice. Every single race, everybody. And I remember I said, there wasn't really any race, every single, I'm not going to say race, every single pigmentation can have, their own prejudice based on those silly values. And it's for us to work against them. And it's for us to make the effort. It is for us to make that effort to go from the intellectual to the physical. In other words, my transition from knowing intellectually that I was ignorant about gays to actually being the person who acknowledges that uh, not acknowledges, who no longer had that reaction, who no longer had that reaction that doesn't get to the intellectual part of the brain, but just that animal part of the brain. Very important. And for white people, black people, Latinos, Chinese, Indians, uh, everybody in between, I believe in giving you the latitude to be ignorant as long as you're working towards solving your ignorance, just like I worked to solve my ignorance. So going back to the subject at hand, if you understand these concepts, you're a white person. You can go into your, whenever you're among your majority white groups to enlighten them. Same apply to black folk and everybody else. How do you enlighten your, I was speaking to somebody over coffee at Starbucks a couple of days ago, and he said, Egberto, um, I, I, I want to ask you something. I don't know how to handle, I don't, I don't know if I handled it right, you know. And he was playing bridge with some friends, and, and this was an all-white group, and the group, when one of the guys said, uh, I mean, he, he, he called out black folks with a whole bunch of negative names and so forth, and it kind of took my friend aback. And he said, wow, I didn't realize this guy was that way, you know? And then he said, so immediately I said, hey, and he said, I did it in jest. He said, hey, uh, thank you, uh, Gary. He said, hey, uh, I, I, I didn't know you were racist. That's what my friend told the other guy. But he said it in jest. I didn't know you were racist, man. But hey, you're going to have to kind of change that. But he said it in jest. And he, when he had, was having coffee with me, he said, do you think I handled that right? Uh, to which I said, of course, 
you handled it right. You called it out. He wanted to, I guess he wanted to know if, if he gave it the seriousness that it, that it really merited. To which my answer is, look, a bunch of folks of the same race going against somebody, I mean, talking negatively about another race or whatever, you can get all preachy in there and eventually you get shut out, right? My thing here is reality. Preachy is what you want to do, right? You want to say, oh, you should not be thinking that way. That is racist of you. And if you were a Bible-thumping Christian or whatever religion you are, you would realize that that is all wrong and you shouldn't do that. But in reality, in real life, that doesn't work, right? In real life, you don't, you don't, you don't beat somebody into not being a racist. You don't beat somebody into not being prejudiced. When my friend spoke to me, uh, he made me, and I, I mean, I, I tell people this is how I work with these problems all the time, but when I spoke to this guy when I was going to China, he spoke to me and he made me answer my own questions. And in answering my own questions, because most human beings attempt to be logical Yes, some of us are, I mean, sometimes we're always, I mean, we have the logic sometimes, but we try to be logical. We try to be logical. And I answered my question. And in so doing, in so doing, I was able to solve my ignorant problem with the aid of somebody else. So will you be the aid of somebody else? You don't need to beat them over the head. There are, enough, there are enough of us beating people over the head all the time right now. That is not my, that's personal. That's not my part of it. That's not, that is now, I'm not going to tell everybody how they should deal with these issues. Everybody, are, they're going to work the problems different ways. I'm not going to deal with it that way. Like I said, I am willing to give people a hell of a lot of latitude as long as we're pulling, pushing that curve in the right direction, moving it upward, because I more than any more than anything else, I understand humanity. I understand how our minds work, and you can try to tell somebody as much as they can how wrong they are, unless they are ready, or unless it is done in a manner in which it can really make a difference. It ain't happening. Now, I, uh, you know. I like to, every, every, every time in this show around this time, I read something called the blog of the week, right? And um, this one here, ironically, the blog of the week that I'm going to read, it, it won't be my words. It was one that I kind of found so touching and talking to, <laughs> to the Trump folk that I said, you know what, even though some of it is not quite the subject that we're talking about, I loved it so much. And it actually went uh, sort of viral on Coffee Party. This friend of mine here in, uh, in Houston, in Kingwood, wrote it. So anyway, do you know what time it is? I said. It's time for the weekly blog post. Okay. Okay. Uh... Of course, this is a Facebook post by my friend. Okay, and um, another friend called me up and said, 
Egberta, you should check out Trace's post on Facebook. And I couldn't find it, so I contacted Tracy and I said, what's this post that Deborah is talking about? And she pointed it out to me and I did it. Anyhow, I gave a title to her post. As you know, in Facebook, you really don't give anything a title. You just post what you want to do. Anyhow, it goes as follows. I gave it a title, Progressive Message to Her Conservative Friends. He's not your default. He is your fault. Now, this post is simply one of the best constructed rebukes of those who voted for Donald Trump, knowing his presidentially, flaw, uh, his presidentially fatal flaws. It is civil, yet it pierces like an unsharpened knife. A friend sent me a Facebook message and told me that I needed to read a post by one of our mutual friends. You must send it to your Facebook, your email, your Tumblr, etc., etc., etc. In fact, on our show, Blog of the Week, check it out and, and share this, this, this thing, especially share it to your friends on Facebook and elsewhere who voted for Trump. I think it's rather important. But it goes as follows. I have read many posts this week. This is her, her words now. Trace, her name is Tracy Raymond Brown. Here's her words. I have read many posts this week from conservative friends and conservative friends of friends in which they're trying to justify voting for the occupant last November. Notice she used the occupant. She just couldn't say Donald Trump. She just couldn't say President Trump. I feel you, Tracy. I really do. Many are writing that while they did not like him as conservatives, he was their default vote. He was their default vote. If you want to claim the belief of a conservative he could not have been a default vote. What has he ever done without lining his pockets with taxpayer money? You knew well before the election that many, many small businesses went broke because after performing services for his entities, he would not pay them. And when they tried through legal means to collect what was due rather than pay, he outlawed them. Prior to the election, you also knew his beliefs about women and minorities. By the way, those are not the beliefs of conservatives. If you think they are, you are hanging out with bigots, not conservatives. Maybe your beliefs as a conservative come from your religious beliefs. Maybe you thought it was okay to vote for him because so many religious leaders stood hand in hand with him. Do you really listen to their sermons? If you are Christian, which part of the Bible do you listen with? I do not believe you really voted as a conservative. I think when faced with a tough decision, you just took what you thought was the easy way and put party over country. He is not your default. But what he is, is your fault. I could not have chosen any better words in this story. I mean, when I read that, I read it, I reread it, I read it, I read it. And I'm like, my God, that's what I'm talking about. But anyhow, folks, as you know, this is a call-in show, as well as you can leave messages on Facebook as you've been doing thus far. The call-in number is 646 
2495. Again, that number is 646-929-2495. Thank you very much, Carla Oliver. Uh, again, that number, 646-929-2495. My first caller is our one and only John from San Antonio, our regular and this guy that we love so much. Come on in, John. How are you doing today? Good afternoon, Egberto. How you doing? I'm doing fine, sir. What's going on? Oh, uh, it's interesting to hear your your opening. Uh, you know, I agree about race as far as you know. At one point, we will evolve, perhaps, <laughs> to where it's not really. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I thought it was I thought it was happening when Obama was elected, but the pushback was so strong, unfortunately, that you know, it's I guess we're in uh, to to a certain degree a different era. But right. uh, but I mean, still, I, I still think th- things that you know things can change pretty rapidly. Yes, I mean, we've can. seen it all through American history. But I mean, so I mean, to your point, your point is is that you know one race is is a false uh, construction, mm-hmm. but at the same time, you know. When people are use race to denigrate people and, and also use religion to denigrate people, which is going on with the Muslims all over the country, you know, the, with the the right wing denigrating them, and there's such big money behind that too. I mean, it's really I, I just recently I, I didn't real understand it how much money was behind the anti anti Islamic uh, phobia, uh, you know. The, industry you know it really is an industry and the mercers are the ones that are promoting it you know who who gave trump the most money and who is also uh and also give the most money to breitbart and mm-hmm. so yeah i mean so i mean one day hopefully we will evolve but as of right now i mean i'm sure you're well aware of this obviously and you know that we still have so much uh, you know, hatred towards uh, minorities, hatred towards blacks, hatred towards Latinos, hatred towards, I mean, you know, the white nationalists feel that they they can only uh, uh, love uh, white people, which is, you know, right. terrible, and you lose so much out of your life when you think that way, but uh, I, I'm just, I, I agree with your, your your concept from an intellectual point, you know, one day we will evolve, hopefully. I don't know if that's going to be in my lifetime, you know, but, uh, I mean, we can always hope. Uh, but, uh, you know, I mean, you see the, the millennials, and you see that most of them really are really open-minded, and they're accepting, you know, a lot of political ideas, you know, from the left that weren't accepted uh, for, for many decades, you know, uh, beforehand. And uh, but you also have some millennials, you know, and you saw them in Charlottesville that that really are caught up in this white supremacy, and that's a real shame. So I mean, what you're saying is right intellectually, but I mean, we also, I mean, I know you know this also. We we need to stay vigilant, and the people who are oppressing, uh, you know, minorities or women or you know, uh, whoever they're oppressing. You know, we need to call that out. And so, you know, it's... It, let me just add something to that. And, and let me remind folks again that this is a call-in show. And if you want to call, you can give us a call at 646-929-2495. Again, that is 646-929-2495. I agree. Look, 
John, as you know, there's no disagreement between you and I on the race issue. And by the way, I always commend John as being this white guy that's been pushing, uh, pushing equality and pushing uh, folks to think the right way for quite a, a, a long time. Now, um, what, the, when Bernie was pushing the economic issue, uh, he got a lot of hell. But I, I think a lot of what happens is, if you know, I mean, and I, I have a slight disagreement with my good friend, uh, uh, Car- Marcus Molitsas at Daily Coast, which actually continues to look at, let's say, the, a large percentage of the Trump voter as being just straight out racist and that they are, you know, it, it has nothing to do with economics or whatever. I, I understand what he's saying. I understand what a whole lot of people are saying. You know, it's, it's sad that we saw a lot of millennials in that group of um, the, the white nationalists and so forth. But what happens is as follows, and we have to look at causality, right? If you're in a little town or, or not even a little town, if you're even educated or whatever, and things are not going your way, right, and you're looking for blame, uh, a lot of a lot of times it becomes very easy then to have your mind opened to the message that immigrants are taking your jobs, to the message that these underperformers, you know, it, it is so much easier to degrade or denigrate other people when things are not going very right. Now, that is why you notice that during economic stress, and I don't know if folks realize, in as much as the economy has exploded, most Americans are in some form of economic stress because most of the monies in this economy is not going to people. It's going to the vast majority of other folks. So whenever you're talking about economic strife, race, racism is an easy thing to sell. Uh, and it's not only racism is easy to sell. Uh, for all other phobia, xenophobia is easy to sell. Even sexism is easy to sell. In a patriarchal society... When uh, it, it is very easy to sell sexism because the man is not working. Why is the man not working? Because those women are filling out two. Uh, those women are filling out two slots on the farm. They're 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 women, and you know, and and especially if it's let's say a black woman or 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 a uh, a Latino woman or whatever, they're checking two boxes in the corporation. So that's why we need to be against affirmative action now because look at what it's doing to us. It's bad for it's bad for white men. So, I mean, it is easy to sell all these concepts when there's economic strife. And what Bernie Sanders, in a lot of times, was trying to say, I mean, they they really hit him hard because he tried to hit economic strife first. I'll be honest with you. I I believe in identity politics, but I believe in identity politics with a very strong dose of economic uh, economic uh, values or economic promotion because they don't, they're not mutually exclusive in the way it works. You follow what I'm saying? I follow it completely. I completely agree. And, you know, so, I mean, I, I think, so I, I think what we, you know, right now, I think what we have to do, first of all, with the, with the crises that are happening right now is we really have to get ourselves on the right economic foot. Let me see. Carla says, I don't think, most dumpsters, most dumpsters, I think she means Trumpsters, are racist. I think they were just uh, desperate for change. Then you have your hardcore Republicans that just vote 
you know, I mean, I can't argue with that, right, Carla? I mean, it's not, you, you can't argue with that, that, that sentiment. And the reason I can't argue with that is I think that has actually played out. Hey, look, I sit down and have coffee with most of the Trumpsters here in Kingwood, Texas. Most of these darn people out here voted for Trump, all right? Yes, some of them have recessive racism in the back of your head, but a lot of folks, even your good friends, even your mother, your father, your brother, a lot of folks have recessive racism or, or racist tendencies. Uh, it comes out all of the times. I mean, we had a big hoopla at, at our radio station, and, and the idea was, was it racist or not? As a peacemaker, I'm trying to tell folks, look, uh, while, it may, while some portions of this stuff may be racist, we just gave the opportunity for racial strife to, to form a part of it. So we have to, have to really be careful in how we handle these issues because they're so intertwined that if you simply look at one, one issue, you get, you know, you throw it all off. John, you want to add anything to that? Beforehand, folks, remember this is a call-in show. You can give us a call at 646-929-2495. Do you want John to be the only one carrying the other side of the argument? Come on in, John. All right. Uh, yeah, no, I, I definitely agree that it has to be, you know, about identity politics along with the economic message, you know. And so, I mean, I, I think that identity politics is, is given a bad rap. I mean, the only reason why identity politics is relevant is because we still live in a racist and xenophobic society. And the the right uses that to to gain strength. And, you know, and that we really have to we cannot just just, you know, throw in the towel on that and say, oh, we can't talk about race. I mean, that's I mean, you know, as long as racism is is uh, happening in society, we have to talk about that. I mean, you hit the nail on the head. head. That that is bare repeating. We have to continue talking about it because there's a reason why identity politics came to be. There's a reason why. It didn't just appear to separate people. It actually appeared to unite them. Continue, John. Well, I mean, I just, I just think that uh, it's important, and uh, and so we just, we just need to push on both fronts. But I mean, one thing about, you know, uh, the black people that. I mean, and you know, you've seen them. I mean, I guess Joy Reid is is the uh, kind of the epitome. But I mean, there's several L. Joy Williams, and there's a lot of people kind of pushing back against Bernie. Right. Uh, and, and that's the I, I don't I don't really understand that because I mean, economically, you know, Bernie wants to help everybody. You know, right. Bernie wants to help black people, and you know, he was there in Chicago, uh, and he's he's been a. a you know, an advocate for right. uh, better race relations. I mean, he supported Jesse Jackson uh, in both of his runs in the 80s, you know, and, uh, he, you know, he's he's always been, he's always had a, a, a strong moral compass. And, you know, so we want to see, uh, you know, black individuals and Latino individuals and Asians and, I mean, even white people, you know, do better and have oh, yeah. economic economic uh, inequality, which really is, you know, one of – I mean, you, you, it's hard to say this is the biggest issue of, of the – in the country, but, I mean, it's certainly at the, one of, at the top, you know, along with – uh, along with uh, identity politics, along with uh, climate change, along with health care, 
uh, along with uh, you know how the rich should be paying more in taxes. I mean, th- those are some of the the biggest issues of the day, and so. Uh, I think uh, you know you've done a good job hitting on all of those, and uh, you know I, I did have a slight disagree with with you on on Thursday because it's well I mean you know I, I made I, I made my pretty strong statements about you know the you know uh, how I went to Robert E Lee High School and how I'd I'd love to see that change and all about all the monuments and you know you had I think I guess three people. Call in near the end of the show that were you know, know pushing, right? Push, yeah, pushing for the other side. And you know, what I, I what I want to just say is that we should not. I mean, I understand where the guy was. He was saying that, like, you know, he one of his, uh, you know, whatever uh, great great grandfather was uh, had a statue up there, and uh, you know, he, it was like a legacy to his kids. To you know, to like he made this you know cannon that was uh, great or whatever, and uh, I mean he seemed like a nice guy, and all the people that called in they seemed like nice people, and it, they seemed like you know uh, you know moderates or liberals also they weren't heavy you know conservatives, right. but the, you know but I mean the two things <laughs> though that no go ahead I'm sorry well the thing that bothered me the most is. You know, I'm I know my genealogy pretty well, you know. I've I've studied this and I've put a lot of, you know, uh days and days and you know, weeks and weeks into into uh studying this. And uh you know, my my uh ancestors uh you know, came over in the the late 1840s on my father's side and they settled, you know, outside of uh San Antonio and they all kind of they all came together in 1848, uh, you know, like in Alsace, France, they came from there. And so, uh, you know, and I, w- I felt just the opposite. In fact, I went into the local, uh, you know, his- I went to, to see all the historical documents, and I was really, really happy to know that uh, – you know that people in Castroville did not support the Confederacy. They felt right. that you know they weren't slave owners. They were they were farmers and ranchers, and they didn't want to support that. They felt like this wasn't our war. This is, we're not a part of this. We don't believe in this cause. And so I was just like, you know, boy, that 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 made me feel great. I mean, because when you study genealogy, you never know when, like, you know, maybe one of your ancestors was a murderer, maybe one of your yeah, ancestors I, I, was I, a rapist. Well, let me tell you, John, I want to I want to break in a second for this because I know where you're going at. What happened? And let me kind of explain this to the audience. And that is, we had a, on my KPFT ninety point one FM in Houston show on air. Uh, some people called in, and and there were some people whose ancestors were part of the Confederate, and there are statues in Houston of this particular person who, uh, I think, I don't remember what his position was, right? And he called in. Now, when he made the, made it a family thing, why he wanted the statue to stay, I don't know if you heard what I told him. When it comes to family, if you want your family statue to stand, put the family statue in your yard or something like that. That's fine. Okay, but um, he wanted, you know, he, so I didn't, I didn't give him that particular person, the, the same type of response that I gave to the woman who said she, I think it was a black woman who called who was married to a white guy and they had biracial children. And she said that she wanted to reach a point in time or something to the effect where 
In fact, she said she didn't want the statues to be uh, necessarily pulled down. She wanted the statues to be a teaching opportunity. She also said that she wanted to see more statues of other people out. And, and she gave a more detailed response. And what I said in, uh, on the show is based on how my mind works, I like to continue to take in positive information that have, all, that have other points of view. Uh, some, some things that people on the far left or far right, and I consider myself on the very far left, very far left. Uh, but I, I think I don't necessarily uh, stick with dogma 100%. And I entertain having other people come up with ideas and say, well, this is why I don't. This is a woman, a progressive woman as well, saying, I don't want the Robert E. Lee statues or all these other statues removed because. I really want to hear the because, and I want to hear the analysis. And the reason why is because Trump opened the door. If you read the blog that I wrote, I said Trump opened the door for a lot of things to occur. When you hear that, well, Benjamin Frank, I mean, not Benjamin, but George Washington and Lincoln had slaves. We know it's a silly argument because one was somebody fighting to destroy America. The other one was somebody fighting to have America, so that they both had slaves. One was trying to destroy the nation or the other. But then at the same token, you have to look at the formative years of the United States, which was, suppose the, the, the Native Americans come back and say, well, we don't want any of these darn statues here because as far as we, concern, as we are concerned, these are all the guys that put the hurting on us. That, you know, so I mean, there, is a, there was a madness to something Trump said, and I, placed, and I said that in the blog. When Trump said, where does it stop? You and I know better, but the vast majority of Americans are going to listen to that and say, by the way, oh yes, where does it stop? After all, suppose the Native Americans come now and say, well, we want all this stuff taken down, because all this stuff are people who destroyed our nation, meaning all the different nations of the, uh, the Native Americans, the original Americans that were here. So, I mean, I like to entertain different points of view. But anyway, folks, uh, again, that telephone number, if I can remember that telephone number, uh, please give us a call if, you saw, if you're so inclined. That telephone number is 646-929-2495. Of course, of course we, we are blessed to have John with us, who is always very insightful. Anything else you want to add, John? Well, I, I just want to say, you know, the, the first lady who called was was talking about, you know, the difference between, you know, she was she was kind of saying she was agreeing with the slippery slope argument that Trump was right. making. But let right. me let me kind of uh, go against that because, okay. you know, even though Washington and Jefferson owned slaves, and I I actually think that 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 is an extremely negative. Uh, mark on them historically, yeah. and uh, because you know there were plenty of states that have in, in the Northeast in New England that had already abolished slavery at that point, and so there are also plenty of other uh, you know people in the Senate and people in the House who knew that this was wrong, and and so you know so yeah I mean yeah. but but the difference between uh, Jefferson and Washington and let's say Jefferson Davis and Robert E. Lee and anybody else who who fought for the Confederacy or believe or believe you know was in the hierarchy of the Confederacy is they were a traitor to the United States. I mean they you know fought a war and this was 
I mean, I don't. I mean, I know most of most people know this, but I mean, you know, this is a, a huge whitewash that has happened, you know, in uh, in 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 teaching. And this happened to me in seventh grade. I was taught that you know that the Civil War was fought over states' rights, and that is just a complete lie. I mean, all you have to do is look at these documents of secession, and they all state very clearly that slavery was the reason why why they seceded. And they they didn't even need to do this. Lincoln, when he was elected, you know, had, had no intention at all to, to stop slavery in the South. Exactly. This was a, 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 com- a complete... Uh, you know, freak out by the southern states unnecessarily, and you know they started a war over it, and and yeah. went, you know, and they were traitors, and so I mean that's the way that we should should treat them. I mean, and I think that the the these statues belong in a museum to to say, you know, here's here's the what people thought, and you know, in you know, I'm not saying. I mean, we sh- we should hear their side of the story, but we should also recognize that you know, it's it's very morally wrong what they did. And and another thing is like you know, uh, I'm like I was saying earlier, I'm a, a fan of genealogy, and so like Henry Louis Gates, you know, would uh, you know Skip Gates with the beer thing, the the Harvard professor, he did a show on genealogy on PBS. And he, you know, and he's he's black, and he had a lot of you know black celebrities, and they showed him their genealogy, and a lot of the genealogy uh, of the black people were the result of of rapes by uh, of their you know white people, uh, either their you know slave masters, right, or you know somebody else in the family, or just some some other person, and I mean I just you know to see the reaction of of the the people thinking, you know, my DNA, you know, which is, you know, which I'm going to pass on to my children also, you know, is, is, you know, tainted by this rapist. And I mean, it's just so disgusting. And, you know, and it's, you know, I I guess when I was thinking about it, I was thinking, well, this could actually happen to anybody, you know, because we don't know who was raped, you know, 200 years ago, no matter what religion you are. But the the problem is that, you know, society said, this isn't wrong. This is, we're going to allow this. And that's what really, you know, I mean, it just, I, I just think that people really need to wake up into what, what actually happened in history. And you know what, and, I, I, am, I am positive, and, and let me tell you this, okay, we get into these lulls, right? We get a Barack Obama elected, and people think that things were going to get straight. Then we have a, a initially small set of reactionaries react to it, start creating false narratives. These false narratives then start to take hold. And when they take hold, remember, the brain, is, the brain is a very malleable thing. Your mind is very malleable. And it's something that needs, to be, uh, that needs nutrition, intellectual nutrition, right? And if you continue to, I mean, I, I told folks about an experiment that I did one time. And they laugh when I mention it because it is a very important experiment, actually. Years ago, when Rush Limbaugh was at the peak, I did an experiment. And I started only listening to Rush Limbaugh for a week. And believe it or not, some of what Rush Limbaugh was saying, I found myself repeating. It was interesting how the mind works. 
And, you know, I mean, they're, 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 these folks in certain areas can put a little bit of truth, apply their, their ignorance around it, apply their directed, uh, you know, what they want to put on, on it, and change the narrative. And in doing so, change minds. That is why I have a whole lot of patience with, you know, people think, think I have too much patience, but... That is the reason I have a lot of patience with the Trump supporter. I have a lot of patience with the racist. I have the, a lot of patience with, I mean, you name all the isms or the phobias or whatever these people with these problems, I have patience because I understand how the mind works. Now, you need to also have the folks that don't have as much patience as I do. I understand that. But I'm the one that's going to come and, you know, try to patient, the, the, the patient quotient, if you will, because they tell you, uh, I tell you, the mind is a thing that can easily change. Now, those, most of those people in Nazi Germany weren't bad people, but they were all swept up in that. They were all swept up in the phobia. During the, the Red Scare in America with uh, Senator, what's his name? You McCarthy. Know McCarthy. Yeah. They, they weren't, you know, they, people just got swept up into all of this. And the same thing with the, the Tea Party and Barack Obama. Barack Obama was helping all those people. All those folks that were marching against Barack Obama, he was actually helping. And it's not until now that, that Trump is attempting to take away their health care. And this is the, the thing that I, some of the stuff that I wanted to bring into the show today that I'm going to kind of run off in a little bit. Uh, now that folks, uh, that he's taking away their health care, now it's the time that they're noticing, oh, my God, they want to take my health care. They still don't give Obama credit for it, but they just know it's going to be taken away. But, folks, I want to remind you, as we continue to, I don't want to say hyperventilate, but as we continue to spend a whole lot of time talking about racism and the, the KKK and the, the white nationalists in the White House and all of that, the government is continuing, the executive of the government, not the legislative portion, they aren't making any real laws, per se, right now. They're a complete total failure. But the executive, quick, quick history, I mean, quick government course here now. The government works in three phases or has three departments or three um, whatever it's called. Legislative branches. Branch, yeah, branches. Legislative branch, executive branch, and uh, uh, judiciary branch. Right now, it's only the legislative branch. That is a dismal, un- dysfunctional failure. Don't consider Trump's executive a failure. They're doing exactly what they want to do. They're curbing all, they're, they're reinterpreting laws for the environment. They're, re- they're, they're in- reinterpreting Obamacare to prevent, in, in order to not advertise to people that they still qualify for Obamacare. They're putting in uncertainty in the market by, well, you know, they finally released the payment to the insurance companies for August. But they're, they're doing a whole lot of things to undermine what's going on. So as we fight about white nationalists and all these issues, realize that the executive is marching forward in the destruction of Obamacare, in the destruction of the environment, and all these other issues. So as we continue to ponder this, we still have to be calling our senators and Congress people to tell them that we want those laws that, they, that, that are being reinterpreted. Stop. And the reason I brought up the judiciary, we have a conservative judiciary with, the, with, with Gorsuch being elected or not being appointed to the Supreme Court, which means 
much of the damage that Trump is doing right now will pass the muster of the Supreme Court because we have functionally a Supreme Court that uh, Justice, uh, Justice Powell will love. Lewis Powell, the person who created the Powell Manifesto, will love the Supreme Court that we have today. So our only Savior in, right now, our only Savior right now is the legislative branch in 2018 that you guys have to go out there and bust your asses for to ensure that you get progressive elect, progressives elected, not only federally, meaning not only for Congress in Washington, not only for the Senate in Washington, but I'm talking for your local elections from school board. And I noticed I said progressives. I didn't say Democrat or Republican. I said progressive. I was in Netroots last week, and I, there's a video of a Republican progressive who signed a brand new Congress platform. And that platform looks nothing like <laughs> a Republican platform. It looks everything like a progressive platform. It is even more left than it is the Democratic platform we fought like hell for in Philadelphia. It supports single-payer health care. It supports uh, care for kids. It supports a whole lot of stuff. When you read that platform, you'll say, oh, my God, this is the America that we want. So what I'm trying to tell you folks, right now we have the judiciary branch, the judicial branch, and the executive, meaning the president and his, and his, and his uh, department, working full blast, to destroy the middle class. The only savior for the middle class is to change Congress. And that only occurs in 2018 when you change not only Congress up, up, up in D.C., but in your local state, whatever state you're in. We have to fight hard. John, you want to add anything to that real quickly? Yeah, I mean, I agree with what you're saying. Uh, you know, we still need to, to be uh, talking about the sabotage. Uh, I, I see a little bit more. We also need to be talking about the budget that's going to be coming out, uh, you know, because at the end of September is when they're supposed to have a, a the Republican budget that is supposed right. to come, you know, be voted on and passed. I mean, who knows what will happen. But, I mean, you know, obviously they have a pretty large majority in the Senate. I mean, in the House, rather. And so, yeah. I mean, their their budget is really bad about cutting food stamps. And so, you know, that's uh, that's what I've mostly been reading about as far as the budget is concerned, is that, you know, they're going to kick a lot of people off food stamps. And, uh, you know, it's it's bad overall, you know, also. I mean, we just need to, to tell people, and I think we were really successful in the healthcare fight. I mean, I'm not saying it's 100% over, but, uh, you know, you look at Republicans, and you even see Republicans, conservative uh, right. Freedom Caucus people that are worried now because they know, they don't think that this, this uh, healthcare bill is going to pass, and they have the brains to realize, you know, if this sabotage is, you know, when it takes place, you know, they don't want to be a part of it. So they're trying to, to even, you know, to stabilize the markets. Now, you know, I don't know if that's actually going to happen, but, I mean, there, there definitely has been bipartisan talk about stabilizing the markets. And I think that they're only doing that for their own – the Republicans are doing that for their own political survival. But, oh, I mean, you know, what – but what I mean, I you know, I just want. I mean, I think we can still win just by uh, by ideology. I want what what's best for the people, 
you know. And so if they can stabilize the markets in a bipartisan way and keep it going, you know, I think they'll still have strong increases in prices, and that's unfortunate. But I mean, that's that's you know, Trump is just being horrible like he always is. But I mean, I'm hoping for some kind of uh, you know stabilization for people. And I, I don't know if I'm being too optimistic or not, but, I mean, we'll see. I mean, they weren't talking about that before. Now they realize how unpopular this is and how it's going to affect their 2018 uh, chances, and they're kind of leaning more in that direction. We'll see how it plays out. We'll see how it plays out. We'll see how it plays out. Well, John, give me a quick 30-second uh, closer so that we can start putting the show to a close. All right. Well, enjoy the show as always. Uh, you know, w one thing that uh, I was hoping to get to, but I, you know, I, I got to go with the flow of the show. Uh, you know, is the, maybe maybe next week or at a future time. Dave Wasserman did a thing. Uh, I, I think it was about uh, ten days ago that you put up a, a blog. He was on Chuck Todd, and he did a thing on 538. And I just right. want to refute a little bit of that. He was kind of being doom and gloom about the Democrats, and I kind of want to refute that. So maybe in a future day, future time, I can do that, and we can next, go from there. Next but call, next call, give us a call, and we'll talk about that, John, because I, I'd love to hear how you refute that particular one as well. I know you have some numbers that you go through as well. All right. Sounds good. Now, folks, look, first of all, I want to thank you guys for spending this time with us at Politics Done Right. You know what you know what the goal is here. The goal is to enlighten folks. So what I ask everybody who listens to these words or listens to our show to share these videos. Uh, sometimes I cut interesting parts out as well and, and blog blog them in separate blogs. But go ahead and share these shows because the, the mainstream uh, the mainstream media is not going to tell us all the things that we need to know. They're not going to. I mean, as you can see right now, every single channel is only or for the vast majority of them talking about the uh, white supremacist issues. There's a lot of other issues that need to be covered, and we want to start covering those. The blogs that we write at, at egbertowillies.com and at politicsunright.com, we try our best to cover these issues. So at your convenience, folks, please, hi, Bill Wiley-Smith, uh, welcome aboard. Please remember, share these videos. This is Politics Done Right. I'm Egberto Willis. You guys have a wonderful rest of the weekend. Bye-bye.